0: Well, you know it is time for you to get the word out that we are about to get into the Word. So please message somebody, invite somebody to join your Facebook Live watch party. Let's get that word out that we're about to get into the Word. So whenever it happens, whenever we're able to gather in person again, whenever that happens for churches and schools and businesses and counties and cities and nations and states, I mean, what, what will be our new normal? Like, what, what will be different Will anything be the same? You know, as we inch closer and closer to reopening America, today we're going to open up in a new series entitled Our New Normal, the Normal We Already Knew. And new is spelled with a K, because it's a normal we already knew. Our new normal, the normal we already knew. And we're coming from 2 Timothy. We're going to walk through 2 Timothy in this series. You know, speaking of new normal, man, wow, just how things have changed. I was made aware of a situation that happened in a grocery store parking lot uh, recently where it involved uh, two persons. One was wearing a mask, one was not wearing a mask, and the mask customer yelled at the unmasked customer, you're going to kill us all. Now, just a few weeks ago, that would have not been the norm. Like, it would have been the unmasked customer yelling at the mass customer right for example Easter Sunday uh, during those severe storms that we had here not only here but in other states like Mississippi my mother said in between those storms she ran to the grocery store to pick up of all things cat food I mean really mom cat food you know in some places the cat is food right So she made a trip to the store to get some cat food, and she got there, and it was raining, so she was in her car, she put her gloves on, put her mask on, put a hood over her head, and went in the store. And upon returning to the car, she sat down in the car, and she caught a glimpse of herself in the rearview mirror, and she kind of giggled at herself and said, You know, just a few weeks ago, if I'd have walked into this store with gloves on my hands, a mask on my face, and a hood over my head, I would have been shot on sight. And she's not joking. In Mississippi, she would have been shot on sight. And not only S-I-T-E site, but S-I-G-H-T site. Now, I can make fun of Mississippi because I'm from there. right? But oh, how things have changed. I mean, just a few weeks ago, if you'd have walked in with gloves, mask, and a hood, I mean, at best, you would have been yelled at, you're going to kill us all, or the cops would have been caught, or you'd have been arrested, or you'd have been thrown out, or something. And today, just a few weeks later, if you walk in the store without gloves, without a mask, without a hood, you're in danger of being arrested or thrown out or at least yelled at, you're going to kill us all. Man, how things have changed. I read a Babylon Bee article this week that was entitled, Baptist Delighted That They Can Now Wear Mask at Liquor Store. Now, the Methodists are bummed about that because now they have to wear mask at the liquor store they never have, right? Now, I can make fun of Baptists because I are one. I can make fun of Methodists because I used to be one. So everybody, simmer down. But how different is it going to be? I mean, can you imagine? Now, I know these are fighting words, but can you imagine fall without football? How different is that going to be? Or at least football without any fans. I mean, what's going to be our new normal? I know in some countries, even now, when you walk into a sporting event, not only do you walk through a metal detector, your temperature is checked before you're allowed in. Is that going to be the new normal? Here's what we know. Much will change Little will stay the same. But, church, here's the good news. We already knew it. Like, this is the normal that we already knew. We already knew that our life is a vapor. The Bible tells us that. We already knew that the grass withers and the flowers fade. For example, I bought Tanya some Easter lilies for Easter, and here we are just a few weeks later, and we're trying to resurrect those Easter lilies from the dead. Why? Because. Flowers fade and grass withers, but the Word of our God stands forever. We already knew this. We already knew that we live in an ever-changing world that's ever-changing, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We already knew this. Be encouraged by that. That although this world is passing away, God's Word will never pass away. As a believer, you should be encouraged that we already knew this. And so what we're going to do in this series, we're going to look at some pillars of our faith that will always remain the same. They are our new, spell with a K, normal, the normal we already knew. So we're going to tackle these pillars through 2 Timothy. I promise you we'll do them six feet apart. Don't worry about that. We'll keep our distance, but we're going to tackle these pillars one by one. The first one we find in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 through number 7. So if you have your copy of the Word of God, I hope you do. Could you find 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 through 7? If you don't have a copy, the screen will be on, or the scripture will be on your screen here in a moment. So 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. I'm going to begin reading. You follow along. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love. And self-control. Oh God, would you give us a word from your word this morning, a word that we can hear, a word that we can obey, a word that can challenge us, a word that can convict us, a word that can change us. Oh God, may you enter into every place where believers are gathered today with your word opened and their hearts sensitive to what you have for us. Oh, God, would you do it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Here's our takeaway today. It's a sermon in a sentence, the main idea, the big idea. Very simply stated, feed your faith. I I can't say it. Any more simple than that, feed your faith. So today what I want to do is walk through 2 Timothy 1, verse 1-7 through and point out some ways that you and I can feed our faith. First one is this, we feed our faith by getting in on it. Look at verse 1 and 2. Paul is inviting Timothy, reminding Timothy, Hey Timothy, get in on this faith. I pray today that the Lord Jesus for the first time, the Holy Spirit would prick your heart and say, Hey, you can get in on this faith. It's a wide-open door and invitation. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy-laden. That includes you, and I'll give you rest, rest for your soul. So you are invited, you are invited to get in on this faith. And that's how we feed our faith, we get in on it. So look what Paul says in verse 1 in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now Paul, at this point in time in 2 Timothy, he is in a Roman prison. He is chained He is perhaps even days away from execution. Uh, Probably not months away, maybe weeks, perhaps days away from being executed for his faith in Christ. And he doesn't refer to himself as a prisoner here. You might think, well, is he ashamed of being a prisoner? The answer is absolutely not. No, he is not because later he tells Timothy, he says, Listen, be not ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. He says that in verse 8. Here in chapter 1. So he is not ashamed of being a prisoner of Christ. Here's what Paul is doing. Paul is focusing on who he is in Christ, not where he is for the sake of Christ. He's focusing on his identity in Christ, not his isolation for the sake of Christ in this dungeon of a prison. He is he is focusing on his DNA code as a follower of Christ, not his zip code as a follower of Christ. He is focusing on who he is in Christ, not where he finds himself to be in that dungeon maybe right now you're in a dungeon of unforgiveness or a dungeon of COVID-19 and Christ says no you are called by me you are saved by me you are set apart by me don't focus on where you are for the sake of me focus on who you are in me that's what Paul does and notice how Paul can do this notice the authority behind this word from Paul the authority is not from Paul He's an apostle by the will of God. Not by the will of man. Not by the will of Paul. Paul didn't volunteer and say, I'll be an apostle. Paul didn't, uh, he didn't win the popular vote to be an apostle. <laughs> he was appointed as, a, as an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul even refers to himself as the least. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. But even still, he's an apostle. And he was appointed so by the will of God. Appointed called set apart to be an apostle of our lord you know i hear it all the time well pastor the bible is just outdated it needs a Uh, It's antiquated, it's old-fashioned, it's out of touch, it needs an update, it's just so out of touch. Listen, we are coming under the authority of the Word of God today to hear a word from God today through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's backed by the authority, not of me or this church or you or us, but by the will of God. Listen, the Bible couldn't be more relevant than it is today. Do you know the Bible says, wash your hands, cook your food thoroughly, and don't eat bats? Hello, COVID-19. How much more relevant can the Bible be? It's more active and alive today than it's ever been. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. So God has a word for us. And notice what Paul is focusing on. I love this. This ought to cause somebody to get up and run around in your house or something. Look what Paul says in verse number one. He is an apostle of Christ. by the will of God. Look at this. According to the promise of what? Promise of what? promise of life, of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Now, wait a minute. What? Paul is chained in a Roman prison, days away from being executed, perhaps, and he's focused on the promise of life? He's about to be put to death. How is he focused on the promise of life? Because that's what it means to be in Christ. One pastor said it like this, a Christian is someone who lives prepared to die And dies prepared to live. This is a promise of life. This isn't a pie in the sky, pipe dream, some preference or opinion of somebody that says, yes, there's life in Christ. This is the promise of Almighty God that there is life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is life, He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's a promise, not made by man, made by the will of God Almighty. And he says, Paul, yeah, Nero's about to have you executed, but guess what? That's just a passageway unto life. Paul understood that men and women today, 2,000 years after this was written, they're going to be transferred from death to life. Paul knew it because Paul himself was transferred from death to life. And so he understands that for you today, you can be transferred from death to life. When you lose your life in Christ, as one has said, God will do more in you and through you than you can imagine. It may not be high profile and famous, but it'll be faithful. And so Paul doesn't want to keep this to himself. This book doesn't end at verse 1. Now he's passing it on to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, get in on this. He says to Timothy, my beloved child, God is all about personal relationships. You need to hear this today. God is about Personal relationships. I know it's tempting as parents to say, Hey, Alexa, raise up my child in the instruction and admission of the Lord. I know that's tempting as parents to do it. But God is never tempted to ask anybody else to raise His children the children of God. In fact, He indwells us by the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us grow up in our faith. Man, he's all about personal relationships. And so Timothy and Paul had a personal relationship. Paul was Timothy's mentor, his discipler, his spiritual dad. He didn't raise him in his home, but spiritually he poured into Timothy. And he says, Timothy, get in on this, my beloved child in the faith my beloved child. And notice, you say, well, how does he have access to this? Look how we all have access to God the Father. Look at verse 2. Grace, mercy, and peace. Now, you need to know why we sing amazing grace. You need to know why God's grace is so amazing. The fact is, when you hear the word grace, you ought to think about the wisdom of God. Like God has done something that no one else has ever been able to do. Like God has made salvation work there's great wisdom in that because the levitical sacrificial system just wasn't getting it done it just wasn't getting it done so god in his infinite wisdom has made a way when there was no way in fact he gave his only son his his only son in whom he is well pleased he has offered him up Jesus has laid down his life so that you can have life, the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, and that comes by grace. You haven't earned it, nor do you deserve it. Grace is we get what we don't deserve. It's a gift from God. What amazing grace this is. What wisdom God had to make salvation work for filthy, dead, uninterested, lost sinners like you and me. Wow. And not only does God have this amazing grace, He's got this unlimited supply of mercy. And mercy speaks of the love of God. Nero had no mercy. He was During this time, he's killing Christians left and right. He's got no mercy. God the Father, He's full of mercy. Full of mercy. He's got enough mercy for you today. And mercy is we don't get what we do deserve. God holds back his justice on those who come to him through his son Jesus. His mercy. And then we see his peace, man. Like You can can be at peace in the pandemic. Like Jesus is your calm in the chaos. Like he is your peace in the pandemic and the panic. It's Jesus and him crucified. Some people say, hey, it's only God's only grace and love in the New Testament. He's only justice and holy in the Old Testament. Well, that's not true. The Ninevites, they believed God. They repented. God relented. That's grace and mercy. In Acts, we see Ananias and Sapphira. They lied. They died. That's holy and just. God is both gracious and merciful. He is both spirit and truth. He is both holy and just all at the same time. And he's made a way for you to come to him. Well, how do I do that? Look at the end of verse 2. Here we go. If you want to get in on this faith, here's how it happens. It comes from God the Father. It doesn't come from you. You don't wake up one day and say, Hey, I think I'm going to be a part of the family of God. No, it comes from God the Father. He's the initiator. He first loved us so that we could love Him and love each other. So it is from God the Father. I know we just had Earth Day, and we celebrated Mother Earth, and I know all of that, and I'm for the Earth. I like the Earth. I live here. It's not my, ter- it's not my permanent home, but temporarily it's not a bad place to live. I'm, I, I, I like the Earth. But we need to know that Mother Earth is nothing but a footstool to Father God. God the Father, somebody needs to stand up and worship God the Father. Somebody needs to shout to God the Father. Somebody needs to give Him His due. Somebody needs to praise Him and worship Because He is worthy of all praise. Because it all comes from Him. It's from God the Father. And notice it's from Him and Christ. That and links Jesus to God the Father. In other words, it's saying Jesus is not only 100% man, He's 100% God. He is God in the flesh. He is God incarnate. From God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's how you get in on the faith. Paul and Timothy could say, yes, Jesus is our Lord. In fact, Paul was able to say in Philippians, he is my Lord. Elizabeth said uh, when she was pregnant with John the Baptist and Mary came who was with child Jesus and she said, who am I that, 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 that my Lord should come to me? And speaking of Jesus in the womb of, of Mary. And then Mary Magdalene said, I don't know where they've taken our Lord, my Lord, at, at, at the resurrection. And Paul says, there is nothing better than knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And even doubting Thomas looked at Jesus' hands and feet and said, my Lord and my God. My question to you, are you able to refer to Jesus as my Lord? If not, you're not in on the faith. But you can get in on the faith by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So I want you to text that number, 423-440-8555. If you've got any questions about giving your life to Christ, what does it look like? What is required of me? How has God made this possible? If you'd like to have a conversation about this good news, this gospel, we'd love to do that with you. So text the name Jesus. we want to. Talk, we got people ready to talk to you now. And if you're ready and say, I'm ready to be transferred from death to life, I'm ready to have the promise of life. If you're ready for that, I pray you will, right now, where you are, would ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sin, readily admitting that you're a sinner. Something like this, Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned against you. I believe that Jesus came, died for my sin. I believe that he was raised from the dead. I confess with my mouth my sin today and ask Jesus to come into my life and save me. Oh, give me life today. Hey, if you call on the name of Jesus, he will save you right now. And we've been praying for you. And I pray you'll trust him now. And let us know. Text us the name Jesus to 423-440-8555. You know, Nashville is is reopening at some point. The mayor of Nashville said, hey, we're going to reopen based on data and not dates. And so cities are thinking, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to reopen here, reopen there? So cities all across America and all across the world are thinking, when are we going to reopen? i got news for you today. The kingdom of God is open. (laughs) The kingdom of God has never been closed. Like the, the, the heavenly city is open. Like the entranceway is there. It's narrow because it's Jesus, but it's open. And you're invited to come in. All who are weary and heavy laden, enter in. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Feed your faith. But you got to get in on it to feed it. Number two, how do we feed our faith? By not going it alone. By not going it alone. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. Listen to who Paul is referring to here. I thank God. Okay, so Paul had a relationship with God. I thank God whom I serve. So there's the relationship aspect. As did my ancestors. So there's more relationships right, that Paul had. With a clear conscience. Okay. As I remember you, Timothy, there's another relationship, constantly in my prayers night and day. So think about all these relationships Paul had. And know that, listen, your faith, you walking with Christ, was never meant to be a private faith. Yes, it is a personal faith. Yes, it is. But it was never designed to be private. You are designed to be a one-another person. To to be one another people. That's the whole design. We weren't created to walk with Christ in isolation, but in community. Be it Zoom or whatever. But we're called to walk with Him and with His church. Listen to all these relationships Paul discusses. God, His ancestors, Timothy. As I remember your tears, I long to see you. Man, I pray as, as, as long as this COVID-19 thing lingers, and i got to tell you something. We, we've watched a lot of movies at our house. we watched The Lord of the Rings recently, and i got to tell you something. I never thought anything could be longer than a Peter Jackson movie. They are just long. But COVID-19 is even long. It's just lingering out there, isn't it? Is it ever going to end? It's just long and long and, and long. Well, I pray as, as COVID-19 lingers, I pray that God's church would long to be together. I pray that God would put a, a desire in you to gather with his people. And quite frankly, some of us need to repent. In fact, I would, I would charge you right now to repent of the sin of forsaking the gathering together, the assembling together of the church some of you have not been to church in decades and you got your feelings hurt or something happened years ago you can't even remember what it was and you hadn't been back listen you need to repent of that you were not designed to do this alone you were designed to be a part of a family so you need to turn from that and that's all repentance is stop doing that turn around and whenever we can gather you be here You jump in with both feet. Listen, the church is imperfect. Nobody is questioning that. We are imperfect. But as Charles Spurgeon said, woe to the person who points out her imperfections. Jesus loved the church and so should we. We're called to be a part of it. So some of you right now, you need to repent and turn from not, when we're able to gather, not doing that. And listen, I tell you, may we never, ever, never again Take for granted the assembling of the body of Christ. May we never take that for granted again. Some of us look for any excuse at all not to come to worship corporately. Let's repent of that and stop it. And when we can come back, let's come back. Feed your faith by not going it alone. Paul is longing. Listen to the relationship here. Paul says, listen, I see you. He says, I remember your tears. Timothy was broken up about him and Paul having to separate. He was in tears about it. And Paul says in in, in verse 4, that that I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. Did you catch that? Timothy's the one broken up in tears, but it's going to fulfill Paul's joy. That's a two-way street, these relationships. It's a two-way street. These personal relationships, they're personal, but they're not to be private. Feed your faith by not going it alone. Number three, feed your faith by giving it away. Give away your faith. Don't give up on it. Give it away. Look at five and six. We read very clearly that Paul is reminded of Timothy's sincere faith. Now, the word sincere means without hypocrisy. Literally, in the Greek, the word is anapokritos, meaning anti-hypocrisy without hypocrisy, without pretense. It's genuine, authentic, real, sincere faith. Timothy did not have a fake faith, and Paul knew it. In other words, Timothy wasn't placating. He wasn't playing around. He wasn't pulling the wool over Paul's eyes. He wasn't pulling Paul's leg. He he wasn't putting on for Paul. Timothy had a real, genuine, sincere, authentic faith. His faith was real. And the reason it was real, one of the reasons it was real, we can read, read on and see his faith was rooted. Notice where it came from. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. That, that's in the home. See, that, that's where faith, that's how God has designed faith to be rooted. Not at church, but in the home. Mom and dad, grandparents... Pouring into the next generation. It's your responsibility, parents, grandparents, to lead your children and grandchildren to Christ. That's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to pour over them with prayer and scripture and teach them the ways of the Lord. And teach them what the Bible teaches, not what you want the Bible to teach. But teach them truth. That's your responsibility. It wasn't Paul's responsibility to raise Timothy to be rooted in the faith. That was not Paul's role. Paul's responsibility was different. Look at verse number 6. Here's how Paul says it. For this reason, I remind you uh, to fan into flame the gift of God. So Paul is is there to remind Timothy of the faith he's rooted in and, and the real faith that he has to fan that gift of God. And Ephesians 2 says faith is a gift, a gift of God, to fan that flame. See, Paul's responsibility is to remind... It is never the pastor's responsibility to raise your children and grandchildren to be rooted in the faith. It is every pastor's responsibility to remind you and your family to fan and to flame this gift of faith that God has given to you. So parents, grandparents, it's your responsibility to teach in the home, to root your children deep in the faith of that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and to grow in that faith. Now, I know, parents, this is a, who this is quite a time, isn't it? It's a time when now parents, grandparents, guardians are not only parents, grandparents, guardians, not only are you now providers, but right now during this COVID-19, you're their teacher, right? You're their principal. You're their coach. Uh, you, you're, their, you're their bus driver. You're their lunch lady. Man, I miss that grade school lunch lady. On Fridays, you remember those rectangle pieces of pizza? Oh, my heavens. There's no pizza better than that. I miss that pizza. So now you're the lunch lady. You're the discipler. I know you've got all these hats now that you're wearing. Just multiple, multiple hats. So listen, I want to tell you, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not have it all together. It's okay for your children to see you struggle. It's okay for them to see you lean into the Lord. It's okay for, you to, for them to see you trusting in Him. That's okay. Give yourself a permission slip that you don't have to have it all together. It's okay. But walk with them through that. Let them see you walk through the struggle. It will strengthen their faith. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. As your faith and their faith grows together. So let's get in on this faith. Let's, let's not go it alone in this faith. Let's give it away. That's what Paul is saying here. Eunice and, and Lois, this mother and grandmother, they gave their faith away. The faith came to you because it's going to someone else. They gave it to Timothy. Their child and grandchild. It doesn't read here. I mean, it just flat out doesn't read in verse number 5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that first dwelt in your grandmother, Siri, and your mother, Alexa. It doesn't read that way. right? It reads your family, your parents, your grandparents, pouring into the next generation. Give away your faith. You know, there's a book by Bill Bryson entitled The Body, A Guide for Occupants. And in this book, He writes about the physical anatomy. In one part of it, he talks about the largest organ on our body, our skin. And this is what he says about our skin. He says the skin consists of an inner layer called the dermis and an outer called the epidermis. He says the outermost surface of the epidermis is made up of entirely dead cells. He goes on to say it is an arresting fault that all that makes you lovely on the outside is dead, right? I mean, when air, and when the body meets the air, we're all cadavers, says Bill Bryson. He goes on to say this, these outer skin cells are replaced every month. Like we shed skin copiously, almost carelessly, some 25,000 flakes a minute, over 1 million per hour. That's not very encouraging during COVID-19, is it? Run a finger along a dusty shelf, and you're in large part clearing a path of your former self. Right? Silently and remorselessly, we are turning to dust. Hey, since we're already giving ourselves away literally, how about let's give something away that will never go away? When we give it away in the name of Jesus, that's our faith. It came to us because we're to give it to the next generation. Let's feed our faith by giving it away. Paul laid his hands on Timothy and gave his faith away. Lois and Eunice poured into their child and grandchild, giving the faith away. Last one. Feed your faith, number four, by not giving in to fear. Look at verse 7. Pretty clear what the Lord has to say for us here, or to us here. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Verse 7 is referring to the Holy Spirit. When you are saved, you are immediately sealed with the promise guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit indwells every believer upon salvation. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit... He is not a spirit of fear. He is a spirit of power. For Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of love. He he first loved us. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of self-control. That's who He is. The fruit of the Spirit (laughs) enables us to be self-controlled when we operate through and by the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God. So this is the Holy Spirit. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So living in fear as a believer, if you live in fear, you are living a sinful life. You are living in sin if you are fearful as a believer. That's not the Holy Spirit that resides in you. You need to repent of your fear. Now, if you're not a believer, you have every reason to fear and you should be terrified. Because you've rejected the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. You need to repent of that and put your faith in Christ. But if you're a believer, you have no reason to fear. I don't care how bad it gets, church. You don't have any reason to fear. And if you're not a believer, I don't care how good it gets. You have every reason to fear. The whole point is the Holy Spirit is not a spirit of fear. He is power and love and self-control. One said it like this, in addition to all the troubles through which we pass, sometimes more threatening, certainly no less damaging, are the fears that attend them. Fear makes us lose perspective, doubt God's faithfulness, question the value of the fight. Listen, you feed your faith by not giving in to fear. That's how you feed your faith. Don't give in to fear. When you fear, all fear is is you are placing your faith in the enemy. Do not fear. We're told 365 times, fear not. That is for believers who have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God living inside of you. There's a, there's a phrase going around now in managerial circles called VUCA. V-U-C-A, it's an acronym. It stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, Ambiguity. It's a word that captures uh, circumstances and situations that seem hopeless and helpless. The concept was developed by the U.S. Army War College after the Cold War ended. It's the perfect storm of circumstances that can hit a community, a city, a people, a family, a church, individuals. It's what happens when you face a string of complicated, ever-changing, unknown unknowns. It's a catch-all phrase for, hey, it's crazy out there. And man, is it ever crazy out there. But the good news is, it doesn't have to be crazy in here. It doesn't have to be. You've got the spirit of the living God living inside of you. There is no fear in him. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear. So don't give in to fear. He who is, lives in you, he is greater than he who is in the world. Man, you've been set free as a believer. You've got a spirit of, the spirit of power and love and self-control, not fear. Yeah, it's crazy out there, but it doesn't have to be crazy in here for a believer. So take heart in that. Feed your faith. I want to encourage you today to feed your faith by getting in on it, by not going it alone, by giving it away. Feed your faith by not giving into fear. Can't help but think about Hebrews 11 when we come to this idea of faith. Think about it. It was not by a fable that Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. It was by faith. It wasn't by flight that Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. It was by faith. It wasn't by finances that Noah constructed an ark for the saving of his household. It was by faith. It wasn't by furlough that Abraham obeyed when he was told to leave his father's household and and go to the land that God would show him. It was by faith. It wasn't by fertility that Sarah herself received power to conceive when she was past the age of conception. It was by faith. It wasn't by Wells Fargo that these were looking for a homeland, a heavenly one. It was by faith. It wasn't by force that Abraham offered up his son, his only son, Isaac. It was by faith. It wasn't by family feud that Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. It was by faith. It wasn't by a Facebook Live that Jacob blessed his sons while he worshipped as you're doing right now. No, it was by faith. It wasn't by iPhone, my phone, your phone, or his phone that Joseph mentioned the exodus and then gave instructions concerning his bones. It was by faith. Feed your faith. It wasn't by Fauci. Oh, listen, it wasn't by Fauci. Good God Almighty. It wasn't by Fauci that Moses left Egypt, leading God's people out of the land of slavery. It was by faith. It wasn't by fortnight that God's people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, while the Egyptians, when they tried to do the same, they were drowned. It was by faith. It wasn't by Fitbit that the walls of Jericho fell when God's people marched around it for seven days. It was by faith. It wasn't by a Facebook friend request or a follow on Twitter that Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. It was by faith. It wasn't by Netflix's Tiger King that Daniel stopped the mouths of lions. It was by faith. It's not by without faith it's impossible to please God. It's that it's without faith that it's impossible to please God. Oh, church, starve your fear. Feed your faith.
1: Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. the church of Christ was born and the Spirit lit the flame now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint by his blood and in his name in his freedom I am free for the love of Jesus Christ